that I want to call the Red Wings 10 7 collapse or collapse or loss in total. A mo- I want to call it a moral victory because of uh, the Leafs fans collapsing and not having any trust in themselves in the third period, even when it's a 7 2 game in the third. Uh, I don't think so. That's not fair. I think I'm call I'm counting it as a moral victory. I think uh, like Leafs fan. Like, I don't know if you saw like the Steve Dangle bit, like clips from his like li- Saturday night live streams. No, he's just slowly, it- he's yeah. slowly spinning into insanity. Like what while it's going on, it's so funny. Like if if you have a, like chance, like there's like a six minute clip of like just the third period of him watching, and it's it's him just freaking out slowly but surely. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, hello, uh, welcome into the production line podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham, Grant, and Andy. Grant's just too cool for last names now. Yeah, I saw Andy starting to do that, so now I kind of wanted to do it. Andy's and... always gone, Andy's always gone by Andy. Besides our first episode, when I introduced myself by my real name, and then you guys shut me down, so. Yeah, nobody like not like obviously you yeah, Dylan, but nobody thinks twice about like, the pronoun- like how you spell Dylan. Yeah, Dylan. but obviously Dylan. That's how I was called. Yeah, actually, it's how my mother spelled it. I didn't spell it. I had no choice. Oh, yeah. Spell why did it? why yeah? Why did she spell it that way? I don't know. She she spells her her name's Kelly, and she spells it with an I E, so she wanted to be different. I don't know. What? Yeah. Man, yeah. I need to have a conversation with her about that. That's yeah. that's weird to me. I don't know. She didn't pick the name. My dad picked the name apparently. But how how Andy. would you spell it if you had the choice to spell it? Probably A N D Y. No, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, it'd probably it'd probably be A N D Y. That's not how you spell it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, hate, uh, I hate my name, so that's why. <laughs> gotten a little off topic but uh, uh first a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of inside the rink bet us bet us has your nhl nba ufc pga and yes nfl betting lines for their 27th year of live betting sign up for betus.com with promo code rink for a 125 sign up bonus again use promo code rink for your 125 sign up bonus play with the proven mainstay of the industry bet us you bet you win you get paid betus.com yeah, this show is kind of off the rails, like the, the Red Wings' last two games. Some real yeah. good um, defensive structure, you know, sound. A lot like last year, right? Totally. Uh, shutdown. No offense. Yeah, we're talking about a couple of our shutdown defensemen today, too, and how good yeah. they've been. Um, pro- maybe some goaltending debate, too, because, uh, uh, yeah, not great. Slightly worried personally but um yeah i suppose we can start off with the um the colorado game which was 5-2 loss uh yeah elite darren helm back in town got the standing got the standing ovation uh thank you Dan. he got a little emotional i was i was a little i was a little you know taking it back i was i was like you know what i, I missed you darren is it bad that I think Darren would be better option on the fourth line than a couple of the guys we have? I don't know. Is that bad? That's not uh, a reach. If you're talking about Adam Ernie, I would have to agree. <laughs> and I, I trashed Darren Helm a lot last year, but man, I actually missed him on the penalty kill. 
I was gonna say the guy can kill. He penalties. he can kill penalties. <laughs> I know last year, Garth, you'd argue with me when I said he's actually serviceable on the, on the penalty kill. You'd argue with me because you were just so against having Darren Helm on the team. But yeah. every time I watch Colorado, he does a really good job killing penalties. Him and Naz. Yeah. No, I, I watching the videos back, I like I realized how many good memories Darren Helm gave us. Whether it be like in the playoffs, the big goal scored versus the Blackhawks, and was that two thousand nine? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Again, I know we're gonna. I'm gonna age myself, but like it sounds like I'm very young because I don't remember exactly what year that was, as I was you know nine or ten. Uh, but yeah, going on the game itself, uh, that was all Colorado. Uh, not close. Um, Kilmacar is a freak. Yeah, he's he's the best <laughs> player in Colorado. That's not, really? hot, that's not even a hot take. No, that's how is that a hot take? I I just think McKinnon's a top four player in the NHL personally. But okay, how I, do you how do you I rate think, that when McCarr's the best defenseman in the league? I know it's tough, right? You can't I, you it, can't just say I I think McKinnon's a top five five forward in the league, top three forward in the league, but McCarr's the best defenseman in the league, and I think he's the best in the Avalanche the player, most valuable player. Wow, they didn't I don't have I, McKinnon that game. I know they didn't. That's that's dude. It's it's an embarrassing thing about that is they did not have Nathan McKinnon, and they just that easily walked right over us. And this is one of the first few games, like one of the few games of the season where like watching the Red Wings just absolutely get blown out, like play play wise. I mean the score wasn't that bad, five two with an empty netter, but um, I just like didn't mind watching the entire time because I just admired Colorado's greatness. You know yeah, they, I don't know. They they are so fun to watch. And uh, there's so much there. They have so much talent. Colorado is a team. Like, I didn't watch. I watched, I think, the first 10 minutes of the first period. Then I had to leave. But Colorado is a team, like, no matter who they're playing, and if they are on TV, I can get it. I'm flipping that game on just to watch those guys. McCarr, McKinnon, Branton, and even. And then uh, Landis Fog, like that line. Even though they're split up the last couple of games when all of them are in the lineup. It's still freaking exciting to watch. They're an unbelievable team. Yeah, so right. For, right, now, right now it's Florida and Colorado for me that I try to watch yeah. every game. I can't. percent. They're yep. so fun to watch. The only unfortunate thing about watching Colorado sometimes is that they wear those ugly away jerseys with the the blue, like it, the blue works, like the gloves and pants work for their home jerseys, but their away jerseys it looks so bad. The numbers especially. I don't no, know, yeah. No, if I know what the, you're talking about. Look at their look at the the away jerseys numbers the, with the light blue. Yeah, they're those the numbers I don't like the blue pants and gloves. Okay, okay, whatever. It makes more sense than having black in there because they didn't have black anywhere else in their jersey. It does, but like uh, like when your jersey doesn't like have any of that color on the away jersey, it just doesn't make any sense. So they need to edit yeah, the. They need to fix the away jersey. The home jersey looks great. Yeah. I, don't I just know. don't like the, I don't like the blue name and uh, color or name the color of the name bar and the um, numbers either. I don't like those. So yeah. I, I yeah. love like the Rocky jerseys, they're alternates, but I don't know what. Oh my god, dude, those are sick. You're talking about the blue and the wagers? Oh, the blue numbers, like all yes, blue? yes. I don't hate that. I don't know. I don't care. Really? If you're that good, you can wear whatever you want. That's fair. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just hate it. Yeah, no, no. The Colorado, the Rockies jerseys, like. That alternate's up there with, like, the Columbus third of, like, my favorite in the NHL. Oh, my gosh. Columbus is sick. They're so the, fun. Their jerseys are so fun. They're so fun. 
and Elvis's yeah. pads. I, I've Elvis's pads have grown on me. They're sick. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome to the good side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, yeah, welcome finally to the right side of the conversation. Yeah, you ridiculed <laughs> us for liking them at the beginning of this episode of the podcast. <laughs> I, I still stick with my gut about the the Vegas helmets and the LA helmets, though. Those are sick. No, I think yeah, I think the LA ones work. The Vegas one, no. Vegas is sick. No, Vegas is trash. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, this game. Uh, First shift, like we were talking about Kill McCarr, like it kind of goes into your point, Grant. But uh, Kill McCarr sent uh, Zidina to oblivion, and then Landis got cleans up the rebound, which I'm pretty sure that was, yeah, Dan DeKaiser in front that gets out muscled, which is gonna be kind of a theme in this episode. I think my favorite part about McCarr's game is his ability to jump the boards, which basically by that I mean his ability to just shoot up the boards in the offensive zone. Yeah. I've never seen a defenseman so good at doing that. Like his, mo- his mobility in the ozone is something I- I've seen in Cider a little bit, like the way he shoots up the boards, but it's not Makar-esque, obviously. If he can get better at doing that too, he's going to become a mo- even more of an offensive threat because Makar is the best offensive defenseman too by a large margin, in my opinion. Oh, he's – yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, I was just going to say it's not even close. So he's by far the best offensive defenseman, and he can still defend. Yeah, like people forget that people like to like they look at his size and stuff. And he's like, well, he can't defend like five eleven, like one eighty or whatever. He's not a big guy by any means, but he's just so like his like, skating ability is so elite that he's able to get back and like his um trans being able to transport pucks out where he doesn't have to defend all that much. Yeah, yeah, and like another thing that I like about McCarr <clears throat> when he no matter really where he has the puck on the ice, he is go- when, when he's going full speed. Like he's flying out there, but he slows the game down to his pace. Like, like he'll be flying full speed. It's like weird to say, but like people like kind of get—I don't know—they get mesmerized by him or like afraid to attack him because they're gonna get blown past him. So like using that ability, his speed and his agility and <clears throat> hockey IQ, he's going full speed, but like it's—he's slowing the game down in a sense for him, like to get his guys open too, because he's such a—he's so lethal with the puck too, right? And his skating, it's. He's phenomenal to watch. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Go ahead, Grant. I have him in fantasy hockey too, which makes me love him even more. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, like kind of like going back to your point where what you've seen in Cider a little bit on the, the offensive side. I hope he does take a little more like – I hope like the Red Wings like development staff works with Cider a little bit and be like, hey, listen, like this is like – like you're like great in the D zone and like you're developing still in the offensive zone and like you've shown you can give more and like just like his ev- evasiveness on the like the blue line for Makar is something I hope Cider can work on because like Makar on the blue line no nobody can defend him no and honestly I don't know ah this is tough because I don't know if there's any other player that's even close to being evas- as evasive as Makar on the blue line but Cider is has shown moments where you're like oh my gosh he cannot be touched at the blue line which is just yeah. scary that's such a scary thought because he's six foot what four yeah he's huge and if he can learn to be even more evasive that's where a lot of chances stem from are making a move and then having so much open space and creating lanes whether it's a shot or a pass he just makes that happen out of thin so it's really nice to see that yeah, I think of like Roman Yossi as well in that conversation. Yeah, as guys who are just elite on the blue line. Andy, you look like you were going to say something. 
Oh, no, it's just, yeah, they, Roman Yossi is a great comparison. Um, another guy that reminds me of more in his Ottawa days would be Eric Carlson because he, nobody, like, when he was in coming into his prime, I'd say in Ottawa, nobody can control a blue line like Eric Carlson, in my opinion. No. The way he, the way he can, he would, you know, straddle it with the puck in the offensive zone and set up plays, but still have two or three guys attacking him and be so calm. And like, that's what these guys kind of remind me of. McCarr, more or less, because I mean, he has, I think he has a step up on speed, which is obviously like great. Like his one, two step in agility is unmatched in my opinion from a defenseman in NHL. So even so like McCarr is a step above what Carlson was at that and like when Carlson was in his prime, just with his speed, with just with his speed alone. Okay. On the I, like, like on the escapes of attacks and stuff like that. But but also, I don't think I think Carlson had a better set of hands for like having a lack of feet, like lack of uh, foot speed. You know I, I mean? like, honestly, the the year Ottawa went to the conference finals against Pittsburgh, in my eyes, Eric Carlson was the best player in the league that year. Oh, absolutely. At least I that play, at least in that playoffs. I think that whole year, Eric Carlson that, was such a freak that year. It, I especially after Christmas, like after Christmas and stuff, he was tearing it up for oh, sure. He was. I don't. He, he, was like, he was so fun to watch, and I just hated the attention that he did not get because of like Crosby was sick at the time too. Yeah, that'd have been 2017, and uh, we look back on that like. Eric Carlson's career in Ottawa before getting traded to San Jose. It's just another player's prime wasted. Yeah. And it's such a shame because Eric Carlson was generational. Yeah. He was. In Ottawa. And, and now, like with injuries and stuff, like he kind of had a bounce back year when he was healthy this year. Yeah. It's just, not, just not, the same. Still not the same. Yeah. Well, they said this is his first. Well, they said that going into last year, then he got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would have been the first time since he had gone over to San Jose that he was actually fully like healthy which is interesting like, like like you know they paid so much for him and yeah. they weren't even getting a healthy player so yeah. but yeah kind of like get back into this game we kind of mentioned dan de kaiser in the first goal and the second goal too he was that was all him as well because uh this one was so bad it was a rebound in front and gus lindstrom's right there to clear it like he would have had it all those backhand to the boards would have been easy, but no, Dan DeKaiser comes swooping in and takes out Gus Lindstrom's legs. They both fall, and then Tyson Jones is like, "All right, cool. <laughs> I'll just knock this puck into an empty net." Because yeah. I'm pretty sure Gus went into Grice as well. On that he point. did. But you know what? My favorite part about that transition was we were just talking about Kale McCarr and Eric Carlson, and we go to Dan DeKaiser. <laughs> <laughs> those are three guys that should never be mentioned. In any sort of comparison, that's the same. Yeah, you're right because Dan because Dan DeKaiser is better. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. We're talking about when you speak about generational talents. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That goal was so bad, though. Just embarrassing. It was bad. No, yeah, DeKaiser finishes a minus three. Uh, It was not a good defensive effort from like most of the team, but especially him stuck out to me this game. Um, what I really liked during this game though is the is when uh Blashill finally made a decision. It was early in this game too, which I found funny that he's he put Letty back with Cider. Yeah, it was like mid first period, was it not? Yeah, he, he decided he was done with the Kaiser's shit pretty quick. 
And then um, I know a couple points during the game, he switched Bertuzzi and Zadina. And then like when that, when the old first line would come back together and like, that was the only time Detroit would have constant possession, which is just kind of, just kind of sad. That's the only time you stood a chance. I mean, I guess it just shows like where our talent's at comparative to a cup contender, which is fine. I mean, what do you expect at this point? But it's, it's, it's tough to see. Um, but yeah, we can get into some more of the positive stuff for sure. I mean, uh, Zadina scored pretty cool. Uh, it was a three on one, which is, I mean, surprising against Colorado. They give up a three on one. Cider, a really smart play off the pads to um, Zadina because it was a three on one. He could have forced a pass across to Raymond. And Zadina playing high, high man up in the trailer. Usually that's not the guy that's getting the receiving end of a off the pad pass, but it ends up going to him and then. Uh, nice, nice placement of the shot um, around Francis. So that was cool to see Zadina get on the board. And obviously, like he's been playing better of late. And I hope he can kind of keep carrying that on. Cider uh, continuing a point streak there. I mean, we'll get into it more. But yeah, overall, like pretty. I I thought that was a fun play for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I've, another thing I forgot to mention in this game, like going into this, Larkin and Landeskog were tied for opening uh, most opening goals in the league with 10 <laughs> and then Landis got opened the game. So it was 11. I thought that was funny, but also like just Larkin scoring. I am pretty sure now he's up to 18, even strength goals this year, which is I think fifth in the league as well. He's, he's ridiculous. Like I can, like if Dylan Larkin was on a, let's say this, the Red Wings were in the, um, the, the Bruins playoff spot, right? What's the same theory? Would, would Larkin be like a, a heart candidate? No. Really? I don't think so. Really? Okay. Oh. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough because I don't I kinda agree with Grant. I I don't think he would be. I don't see like I wouldn't be opposed to him being in that conversation, but I don't think he'd be like a front runner or even top I mean five. maybe yeah, top five. Maybe maybe top ten. I, I just don't see a world where in my eyes the heart should be a player that if a team loses you you're shit out of luck right and i think like my yeah. top three right now is i know i kind of if we lost larkin yeah. but yeah but i wouldn't say oh i don't know that's tough you just thought you at that point you just made kind of talks you out of that point because the red no, yeah I, i'm not getting talked out of that spot because uh with albertuzzi yeah. has been our weak point this year not larkin uh, I do think it sucks without Larkin a lot, but missing a guy like Matthews, Shesterkin, and my third right now would be Kaprizov. The Wild would suck without Kaprizov, and that's just my opinion. But uh, Shesterkin, the Rangers would be bad without Shesterkin. And that one's definite. The, yeah. the, Ma- the Maple Leafs would not be bad without Matthews. I just don't think they would be scoring nearly as many goals. No, but the the Rangers won, right? They like last night they just played Vancouver and they get shelled because they don't just jerking in that. Yeah, Georgiev's like first start, and Georgiev didn't even play that bad. It's just it's yeah. not just and He's not going to save every shot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. The Red Wings like in this game. Can I get back to like the problems? They like switched like a man on man defense. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Because I think it was the third goal, the Kadri goal. It was Zadina that was covering Kadri for some reason. 
but like they're playing man on man like you can do you can do that that's fine but you need to I, like a winger shouldn't be covering a center that's not how man on man like yeah. you know like that's way too many if, if that happens you switch too many times and colorado's won yeah. you need to stay like because defensemen like sometimes like obviously like a macar will just zoom around the offensive zone and like that defenseman if it's cider let's say covering him cider needs to follow him all the way around and oftentimes when you have defensemen like let's say like a Dan DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, or Phil Peronic who aren't as fleet of foot, are gonna get burnt and you're gonna get in trouble with the man on man. So I'm not crazy about a team like Detroit running man on man. And they got burnt like that goal, especially I found like got burnt bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's the point of because what was what goal was that? The third one. The third That's one, Kadri ended up break like Zadina like slashed his stick and Kadri still scored. Oh yeah, Zadina burnt bad there. That's what I'm saying. Like there was too many. Like Zadina should never have been the guy covering him because they're playing man on man, man. Like got flip flop. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I know it's still technically his fault on that play, but like also he should never been in that position. Right. That that reminds me. So not too long ago, I was looking back at I was listening back to old episodes of Spin Chicklets. And Tim Stapleton talked about his time in uh, the Swiss A-League. And he said he couldn't play that style of hockey because it was all man-to-man. He's like, so, like, like if you – if I had uh, – if I was a defenseman and I pinned you, uh, Garth, in the corner, and, but um, say Grant fell down and Joe Schmo was wide open, it would be Grant's fault even though, like, you're completely out of the play. I should have stepped back to cover the spot that would like mm. for grant type of deal everyone basically just like follows like stays on their guy and they don't cover and it's just right. kind of funny because he's like he's like it's called support you know like he like he was very animated about it like and it doesn't i i mean i don't think it should ever be used in the nhl except for three on three to be honest with you right yeah three on three oh yeah i can even hear an argument for four on four but it's even just so, so like yeah with the way the NHL is played, it's like so much speed and stuff. It's so hard to play man man on man, where like you need to play a zone and a system. Yeah, where man on man is just so it's it's very rudimentary. This is my yeah. big vocab for the day. You sound nice today. Yeah, you, thank you. I think rudimentary is the right word for it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Am I reading the thesaurus before this or what? <laughs> yeah, what can I say? I was studying up. I, I hope I hope I get corrected. I hope I'm wrong. That'd be so funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, well, and then like, so it's three, one end of the third and then Nutushkin scored that sick goal to start the third. That was nice. He's, he like randomly came out of nowhere for the abs. Like he, he was nothing in Dallas. He went back to the KHL, came, signed a one year, $1 million deal with the avalanche. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm a good second line player. Didn't he, didn't he start off in Dallas, go back to the KHL, come back in Dallas and then went to didn't he well, maybe that of, maybe that was it he was in ottawa i think they got him from ottawa to trade that no line, didn't they no Mm-mm. who did they pick up at a trade deadline a couple of years ago ottawa no from from ottawa it was it was uh avalanche picked him up i have no idea it wasn't natushkin i have no idea who you're talking about it was a russian i'm pretty sure it was a russian player though Zaitsev? Zaitsev. No, no, let's get real here. Someone useful. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it was Natushkin. I think Natushkin's only played in for Ottawa. Dallas, when, when was that? I'm pretty sure because I remember uh, watching the trade deadline. Uh, it had to be like two years ago, maybe three years ago, maybe even. 
I don't know. It's all one big blur with the maybe COVID. maybe look maybe look it up maybe look it up and yeah like we'll we'll continue to this conversation. Uh, but yeah, Natushkin like like I didn't think like he was picked tenth overall in 2013. I'm pretty sure, and I like I always liked like his size and the way he played, but like he could never translate it. And then coming back, he changed his game completely, like this defensive stalwart on on offense. And now he's kind of starting to put up points because obviously Kadri's popped off and he's played with Kadri and Burakovsky all year, which is also a sick second line. Well, that's not the second line anymore. Well, it was for most of the year. Yeah, it just got changed. Okay. It's what was Skog it? now. Oh, Skog is on the second line. Burkowski's on the first. With, oh, so it's Landon Skog, Natushkin, and Kadri. And that's I, the, it, the dog, Rantanen, and Burkowski. <laughs> Oh no! Ooh, uh, what which, is, which might be even better. Yeah, right. Because you split up some of the like the the wealth, I suppose. My Landeskog is just so good, though. I was love that Jets. Cog. Was that Jets Avs game after the Wings Avs game? They were down three zero and came back and won six three. I think it was. I think it was like Thursday. Landeskog had a hat trick <laughs> on the second line. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was like Thursday. I think it was after. Yeah. Um, but we go back like later in the game, and uh, I think I know. Obviously, like the cider first cider, the first cider pass got a lot of room on air, and I almost think like the the second assist almost was better down to Fabry where he like faked the shot, and it was the fake shot all the way down to the goal line where, and then yeah. Fabry steps out and scores. I love those passes. The fake shot I, passes are so incredible. Like when a D man can just completely sell it, it's just, oh my gosh, it's art. Cronwell used to be really good at that. And yeah, his prime, Cronwell would, oh. Um, there was a really good video on YouTube. I don't know if I, I, don't know, I don't know if I sent you guys this, but it was from Elite Prospects. I think it was uh, Mitchell Brown, I think is his name. Uh, he did, he did like uh, two like eight-minute breakdowns of both Raymond and Cider's game. His breakdown of Cider was really good. Yeah, and like he, that was like one thing he broke down was like the amount of shot passes he makes. <laughs> Which is something like that's kind of gone like under the radar with his game a little bit this year. I think when you look at all the other stuff, and it's just it's it seems like really simple, but it's like it gave me if, if done right, it's so effective. Yeah, and like obviously in that one, I don't think anyone really bit, but it was more so like the lane was open and goalie bit, and Fabry was able to have enough time to come out and then shoot on Francis. Andy, uh, ironically enough, I knew it was a Russian. It was uh, our boy Vlad. They picked up. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah. I yeah. So I, knew, I knew it was a Russian. And I was like, I don't know why I thought it was uh, Burakovsky. Or was it Burakovsky? We were talking about. No, no we we're talking about. Burakovsky, Swedish, different country. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's not Zaitsev. <laughs> yeah, no, Zaitsev was not even in the freaking league at that point. I don't think. Well, he was, but he wasn't. No, playing. he was. Yeah, he was. Was he still in he Toronto? Playing. No, he was in – Nemestikov got traded to Colorado in 2020. That's how, like, it feels like ages ago, but, like, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That was the 2020 deadline. Yeah. Nemestikov played for Colorado in the bubble, which is honestly, like, looking back on that now, it seems crazy. Yeah. Man. Hey, who knows? I mean, in my article, I suggested maybe Nemestikov would be a fit in Colorado again. Oh, yeah. I'd make me love that team even more. Which is kind of like sac- sacrilege for a Red Wings fan to say about the Avalanche, but oh, I'm cheering for the Avs 100 when it comes to playoff time. I still have a future bet on them to win the cup, so I, they're I my team. Uh, I think it's safer right now because one, how can you not really admire how that roster 
mm-hmm. but two, we're not, we're not in the Western conference anymore and they're not as big of a rival anymore. Well, I, I told Garth, the only way they don't win the cup this year is if they lose to Vegas. I know he might not agree with me, but I don't see any team in the East really standing a chance against their play style and Vegas. They just struggle against Vegas for some reason. I don't know. And, I think like, I think Tampa or Carolina could take out their play style personally. I don't think so. Their, their top guns on Carolina compared to Colorado are just not close. And then Tampa's third line this year, lack of third line this year, is going to screw them. It's just going to come back to bite them, not having those three three guys. It's uh, Florida's really run and gun, but I don't think defensively they're sound enough to I agree with to that keep one. up. Colorado's better defensively. Yeah, Bob, yes. Bob might choke in the playoffs. But, but yeah, where, I think, sure. I, where I think uh, Florida would have them there is actually on goaltending. Yeah, but Bob sucks in the playoffs sometimes. Yeah, if, if, he, <laughs> if, he, if he, like, <clears throat> continues this pace, you know. And also, like, their skill-wise, they, like, I mean. They're actually, similar teams. That would be the most fun Stanley Cup, I think, ever, if that's yeah. the case. They're, they're similar in the sense of, like, their depth and skill. And I like the, the pickups that Florida had in uh, – like in Sam Bennett last year, like he gives, mm-hmm. he he's, he's a skilled player, but he also plays. I love gritty. Sam Bennett. Yeah, he has that little grinder action to him too, where he's not afraid to muck and grind and then bury you or bury the puck. One of the two. I'm trying to think of the most boring Stanley Cup final possibility. Mon- right <laughs> Sorry, oh, it would have been, been Ottawa and Nashville <laughs> in, uh, in 2017. <laughs> That would have been. That would have been. That would have been thinking, most, yeah. Like like this year. Oh, I can't. Nashville, New York. That's my this, most boring pick. This year's a goaltending no happens. Goaltending duel. I guess. Yeah. Both goalies get hot. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, that's I'll the only pick, thing I can think of. I'll pick mine right now. I. Well, it has to be like one that's possible. I guess. In that New York, is, that New is York, technically New York, possible. New York's possible. It'd be New Nashville York. Nashville is too. New York. I don't think Nashville's possible. Uh, New York They're gonna and make LA. the playoffs. New York and LA. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Re- hey, rematch of 2012 yeah. or 2014. Yeah. Or or New York and St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Louis. Oh, they're yeah. terrible. They're that's terrible. the worst. That is the worst pick. At least LA. I, I think LA is fun. The the times they played the Red Wings, I think it was fun. Yeah, I think New York's a really well, good pick though to be really boring. Mm-hmm. A few a few episodes going back now, when we we're talking about the LA Kings, I think it was our matchup against the LA Kings. Their yes. team, the, their current roster reminds me a lot of their 2012 Cup run. Mm-hmm. Not not flashy. They have some skill, but they get done by committee, and they're kind of like a, they were then they were a 16th seed, an eighth seed in the West uh, for playoff format. Um. And they literally tore through the playoffs that year. I think yeah. two sweeps and then a game five, and then a game five again, I think maybe six. I actually like they're one of my dark horses, or else they're just gonna get swept in the first round. <laughs> right. It could go either way. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, to get into the uh, you know, the most boring game of the week, you know, only a 10-7 final. Uh yeah, I don't know what this game was. We had some positives going in though. Uh Valeno replacing Rass as third line center finally. And I felt that was significant because they moved Rass to the wing too. They kept Valeno gave their whole game, even though like obviously the score went crazy, but and then even today in practice, which we'll get to. But yeah. 
I was feeling confident about this game. I mean, Grant and I both made bets to the Red Wings on this game. And sure. I thought I thought it was the biggest. I thought it was a lock. I wasn't confident with the Colorado one. Uh, but I was confident about the Red Wings. Ned, I was like, this is a get right game for Ned. I was thinking uh, like Toronto is sick. Yeah, like they had a bunch of stuff going on. Their second line's been garbage of late. And um and also Jake Muzzin going on the LTIR. Their defense in question, Jack Campbell not being good of late. Jack so I was like, I was Jack like, Campbell. yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool. So like, I was thinking like a five three game. You know, this is a good good win, and we get the over still. Uh, I didn't know that both goalies would absolutely. This is actually all four goalies because you know every goalie played this game. <laughs> what was the what was the tweet from Money Puck? This is the worst game ever, goaltending game ever from our expected goal standpoint. Uh, since 20 or 2007. 2007, since it's been tracked. So, of all time. Uh, so, I think it was Pittsburgh ver- or no, Philadelphia. Philly. Yeah, it was Philly versus someone. It was like 9-8, I think. 17 goals as well. <sighs> I saw the, So, the expected goals for this game. So, expected goals is like 4.8. It's, it's a, yeah, subjective in the sense of who actually decides what's an actual scoring chance or not. But for the most part, I think it's pretty easy to tell. Uh, yeah. Four pointer for the whole game, so that's like a three-two game. What the, what the expected was from the scoring chances, and it was ten to seven, which is awful. The highest save percentage in this game is Jack Campbell with an eighty. Yeah, and Jack Campbell eighty. Looked, Jack Cam- Campbell might have looked the worst out of all the goalies. Yeah, like Ned. Like I mean, we could go into like a couple. Like obviously, like man. <laughs> So, so Ned got pulled after the three-one goal, but I mean we can get we can break down like William Nylander's goal probably shouldn't have happened. It was a nice placement, but like Ned gave him the angle. That yeah. one I'm not happy. With. Also, Philip Peronic not did not do any anything you know to help. So who was Peronic's partner on that play? Because he was it Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl was at yes. the goal line. Mark Stahl was at the goal line. Larkin circled back to like the complete opposite side of the ice, which I don't really know what he was doing. And then there was a big stretch pass up to Nylander, and Hronik gave him all daylight. Yeah. Gave him so much space. His all he did was held, he held his stick so he wouldn't go inside. Yeah. And then Nylander's he like, okay. Him, he gave him way too much respect. Right. And, Will, and Willie Styles is not someone you give someone – don't give him respect, okay? Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then 40-year-old Michael Bunting scored. That was fun. I think that was DeKaiser on that one, I think. Good, good old fall. I'm trying to remember exactly. There was so many goals. I love on the set on Bunting's goal. Yes, it was really soft coverage by Letty. Ah, oh. oh, figured. Funny. Michael Bunting um, is becoming a Red Wings killer, though. Not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, five he, points he, in this game. I love him in prize picks, though. I can tell you, I don't like <laughs> him, but prize picks he's cashed for me like the last six bets on prize picks. Hey, according to Leafs fans, he's the Calder favorite. So. Let's watch our mouths. Favorite. Chill. So, uh, for, I, I saw the tweet today. It was like really funny. That He's the best 26 year old rookie. <laughs> he scored his first career goal in 2018. <laughs> I'm sorry. There needs to be a new rule for like they called it. I'm cool. Okay. If you're an older rookie and you've never played a game before, fine. I think that's cool. Like if you want to have the 26 year old rule, but if you've scored, like if you recorded points in like a, four years before, that should disqualify you. Yeah, you're not a rookie at that point. No, that's that's ridiculous. I know technically he like misses like every deadline by like a few days or a couple games here yeah. and there. I mean the Calder's pretty simple right now, right? 
you've got the A tier of the guys that can carry an NHL play, right? I know we talked about this a little bit the other day, Garth, but my A tier would be basically Zegris, Lundell, and Raymond. And then you go to the S tier, which is just above everybody else. Actually, I'd add Swayman into the A tier as well. Swayman's been really good of late. I picked him up in fantasy. He's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, I'd go to the S tier, and I'd have Cider completely moons above everybody. And then there's the 26-year-old uh, tier. The senior citizen tier, if you will. <laughs> yeah. The jail That's tier. The Dylan Larkin is younger than Michael Bunting. <laughs> I know, I know. Raymond's linemates are both younger than Michael <laughs> Bunting. <laughs> and they've been in the league for how long? <laughs> uh, this is crazy. Like I, I'm the, sorry, like that. If, if but I, but hey, Michael Bunting's on the top of the 26 year old tier. Congrats. Maybe Panarin from a couple years ago. Panarin was 24. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Nadelkovich. You know it goes. It goes Bunting, then Nadelkovich, and then Janelle. Yes. Actually, you know Janelle's second. Yeah, Janelle's you know actually how, legit because he's 24 too. Yeah. yeah. You know how in prep school hockey they have like a super senior? They should have yes. a super they should have a super rookie, like yeah. a super senior rookie voting. Each, and then bun- each team, bun- each team can sign one European free agent that's 30 and above, and they compete for the super senior calder. Yeah. <laughs> the My super favorite. senior trophy. They'd be like like if the like with Matthias Brome, like let's say Matthias Brome had a killer year last year. He'd be our nominee. Or Damian Bruner from a few years Damian ago. Bruner, I, that's when I learned that's when I learned the Calder rules. My favorite player of all time. Damian Bruner. He's my favorite weird player of all time. He's not even my favorite 26 ever in Red Wings history, so. Who's your favorite? Tom Spanik. Oh, mine's uh, Riley Barber. Brew. Good call. <laughs> Good call. But yeah, like. One of my favorite. Get back. Go ahead. 26. Bruner was 24, was he not? No, he was 26, 27. Oh yeah, he was he's old. There. He's still playing, but he's like thirty-five at this point. No, no, he was uh, number twenty-four. That's what I meant. Oh, he's twenty-four. Oh. Are they talking about his age? I'm like, no, he's twenty-six, twenty-seven. Oh, you're right. He was twenty-four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Good, good, uh, but but another thing me. about the whole bunting thing, like he plays with two of the best players in the league. I'd hope he can put up. He's at what forty points right now. Yes. I'd hope he can have forty points with two of the best players in the league. Yes. Like, could yeah. you imagine plugging in like Bertuzzi on that line? Bertuzzi would have so many points. <laughs> uh, he he just finds the net. Like that would be the best line in hockey. 100%. He he does though in in his game. He does some of the things like a puck they're, down. They're that, sim- that he, they're similar yeah. players. Similar, but obviously I think Bertuzzi is above and beyond. I do. Too. Uh, I love Bert. I want to know. I want to know what happens if you put Vladislav Nemestikov in that role. How much? Well, how much? Yeah. How, how different is the the points there? It'll be different. I think Bunting is a smarter player with the puck. I agree, but I don't think it's that much different. I don't think it's uh, – yeah. I don't know. I just, if you look at his goals per game last year, I know he was scoring at an unre- unrealistic rate last 50% year. 50% rate. Yeah. But he had, what, 10 goals in 21 games for the Oats last year? Some kind of 20 or 21, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy, but – yeah, he's a crazy high career shooting percentage, which really bumps him up at this point. But um, and also going back to like 2018 set, I think he had like one or two goals in like three games or four games played too. So like yeah. that's not too terrible either. If you combine all those games, 
Yes, and I'd like to go into like the Verona co- the Verona conversation from last week about this about this game because everyone's like, oh, Verona had you know a goal and three assists. He was a plus I can directly, one too. I, I plus one. <laughs> three of these goals were directly his fault. Off oh. the top of my head, I just named the William Nylander one. The third goal where David Camp was in front, him and David Camp are in front of the net, does not do any effort to you know try to move David Camp from front of the net. And David Camp easily gets a stick on it. It's a tip. Right? That, that one was, yeah. like, you you get top body position in what? Uh, Peewees, right? Yes. Yeah, that was literally some of the worst body position. Okay, sorry, we're not from Canada and don't get taught everything. But that was some of the worst body positioning I've ever seen by an NHL defenseman. I was just rough. Mm-hmm. Like, he did not box him out at all. He just let him basically bully him. And Camp isn't that big. I think they're like the same size. Yes, which is just embarrassing. I think I'm gonna save the the third one to go more into like the comeback. Kind of like I think this is a game we can go game like goal by goal here because it's just it's just so crazy to actually think about. Yeah, we'll right? be here for another four hours, so hang on tight, boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Thomas Grice came in and was just equally bad. Mitch Marner had a natural hat t- hat trick on Thomas Grice. In Thomas Grice played for one period. Four goals on 14 shots. I like the first period with Ned. I didn't really like those goals. I think the Nylander one was his fault. The other two goals, I'm like, ah, I don't really blame me on those. It was definitely the right call to pull him there. Um, but the Thomas Grice, I, the, yeah, the three Marner goals, I, oof, I did not <laughs> like those from Thomas Grice. I also back Grice a little bit because it's so hard to come into a game where you're just getting shelled completely and coming cold. But yes, they were really bad. Especially the first one. <laughs> yeah. The first one is classic Grice goal. Yeah. And actually, I should I should actually uh, – I, I, I thought of the fourth goal and uh, the, the second Mitch Marner goal, I'm pretty sure, was Philip Ronick. I have, uh, in all caps, stay hot, Ronick. <laughs> that, was the, that, was the empty, that was the empty net one where Grice, like, was just completely out of position. I think it was a rebound. I'm oh, that was the weird the- Matthew one. Matthew's one where he tried to no. shoot it. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He tried to shoot it. And yeah. It hit off Hironic or someone's skate, and then Hironic had left Marner wide open, and then it yes, was a wide that's open. That's the net. one. So I don't really blame that one on Grice either. Yeah, maybe I need the two that Marner scored like right through him. The first one was bad, and then his uh, was it his third goal? Yeah. The far side one. Yeah. Think, yeah. From high slot. Yeah. It kind of went right through him too. No, and like. Yeah, six one at that point, and then Sam Gagne <laughs> get on the board. I love a guy like the Red Wings have like the random guy that will perform in garbage time. Usually it's Joe Valeno, but it's nice to see Sam Gagne jump into the fold. I forgot to mention last game too. Joe Valeno was playing good in garbage time again. He drew that penalty for the for the Fabry power play goal. Yeah, we love to see it. We should just um, play Joe Valeno like all the time when we're in garbage time. He like when we're losing like three one. Halfway through the second period, Joe Valeno be, better be out every other shift. I also think it's very worth mentioning that our whole third line was a plus one this game. And our really, fourth, I didn't our, know that our fourth line was even. Whoa! Most most of the goals against this game were on our top two lines. Bert was a minus four. Larkin was a minus two, but he was on the ice for six goals. But he was just on the ice for four goals. Four. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Bertuzzi uh, had no points. So who's straight up on the on the ice for four goals? Yeah, that line was abysmal. I'm. Well, ready. I want to talk about. I want to talk about that after the like when we do our finishing thoughts about it. But um, yeah, that uh, the Gagne goal, Jack Campbell. What are you What are you doing? He's just he wants to join. He wants to he, have some fun. <laughs> yeah, like why don't like Gagne is just like all right, cool. I'll put it. I thought Larkin tipped it at first. Um, but obviously, yeah, like, I wish Larkin would have tipped it. Not gonna lie, sorry, Gagne. I was kind of happy for Gagne. He's such I a good wanted, guy. I just wanted a Larkin point, not going to lie. We got a Larkin point later in the game. Yeah, but he'd be one and one and then Gagne would have still had a point. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, I want to talk about – I want to break down that Matthews goal because what in God's green earth is Pew Suter doing in front of the net? I had something on that too. Oh, I actually want to talk about the sixth goal, the sixth marker goal. Okay. So this is where it stemmed from, actually. I know we had said that. No, this this was no, no. That was the fifth one. I think we were talking about that was Marner's second goal we were talking about. But the oh fifth, God. maybe it was the sixth one. There were so many goals. Out of context, <laughs> it sounds so silly because it's just so many goals we're trying to remember. But this one really <laughs> stuck with me because there's a battle on the wall, and Dekai or DeKaiser completely got outbodied by Matthews, like not even close. Yeah. And then this showed, like, the reasoning behind – or what separates Mitch Marner from other players, just how quick he is. And Joe Valeno was covering him. And this goes to your point earlier about man-on-man coverage. Joe Valeno was man-on-man with Mitch Marner and just got clean beaten. There was no way he's going to keep up with him there. It was – No. You just can't – and he he stuck with him that, like, whole time, basically, and just got burnt because quick quickness. And Joe Valeno is not—he's pretty quick. Yeah, Mitch Marner. Just with the playoffs and stuff, like Mitch Marner's name just got rubbed through the dirt so much, and Mitch Marner is like now become like in Toronto somehow underrated. Yeah, that that to me, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, the last two years I spent a lot of time in Canada, obviously, and oh, you get especially in Ontario's Leafs games, and he became their whipping boy up front for sure, and I. John Harris should be the whipping boy. Yeah, you and me are. He's the cap. Thing. He's the captain. He's terrible, in my opinion. He's not but, good. Um, no. Yeah. Ryan. Not Ryan Few good. Ryan Few good. Love this conversation. <laughs> but, but no, like, what Marner like? I I don't know if Leafs fans just don't see him and what he does defensively, just because he doesn't score points. But like the guys out there, he's a first line player, and you don't see him on the or you don't see many first line players. Diving headfirst to block a shot. Yes, and he he might be the best penalty killer in the league this year. And that's yeah. not even a hot take. I think they have the best penalty kill in the league. So, I throw a shout out to Barkov and Lundell. Oh my god, Lundell. Don't even get me started. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm getting at is I remember it was one of their playoff obviously early round exits, but uh, a couple years ago they were winning the game. I think it was late. They're uh, shorthanded as a six on four. And they had a 5-3 lead with, like, 10 seconds left. And he's his stick breaks, so he's out there, no like, stickless. And he literally jumps and blocks three shots in a row. So there's a little bit more, more, a little bit more than 10 seconds left, obviously. But it was last 30 seconds, and he goes out there and blocks three shots in a row without a stick. And he takes one, like, in the leg, two in the chest and you don't see many superstar players i'm putting him in superstar category in my opinion he is yes um you you don't see many superstars if ever do that nowadays and how how he becomes the whipping boy up for the forward group 
in the playoffs last year. Yeah, he didn't perform offensively, but it's those defensive things. It's kind of like the Zadina talk, like where we're talking about him a little bit at the beginning of the year, where, okay, yeah, he wasn't performing offensively, but that defensive game is there. So, like, we can, he's at that time uh, usable, like, you know, you know, right. like you can use him in situations and where he's not completely useless. I really feel bad for Marner, but this is a sad part. This year in playoffs, I hope they get swept in the first round. I hate, I hate the Leafs now. Like, I, I can't stand them. I don't like Leafs fans. I, I don't like Leafs fans, work. and I I don't. I just want them to lose in the first round so they feel more pain. Is that bad and morbid? A little bit. I, it's kind well, of funny, though. See, I hope, like, I hope I they run to, like, Leafs fans. where are they going to play at Tampa? They'd lose yeah. to Tampa. Tampa yeah. or Florida, they're going to play, and they're going to get swept. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> I don't think it's swept, but. It'll, it'll be funny if they get swept. It'll be funny, yes. Um, but then weird turn of events. I mean, Grice was bad, so I mean it's the right move, but like I've never seen a goalie get pulled, then come back in in a game. Uh, that's what it was the weirdest part to me. I don't have you guys can you guys think of a situation like that? I can't think of it, but I definitely have before. Uh not at the NHL level, but at the uh the dog days, the dog years of Lake Superior State University hockey. They once had all three goalies play in a, in a game, and Gosh. two of them were put in twice. So, <laughs> what was the score of that game? Oh, it was uh, like I don't know, like eight six. It was like a high. Like it's not like they were like that terrible. Like were there injuries? Goals. Uh, maybe one. Maybe one goalie got. I was no, gonna say an eight six game like that. Like there's no reason to like, have that many pullings. Yeah, that's what I mean. And like it was just weird. Were they playing? Um, I believe it was Michigan State. Okay. When they yeah, and Jeff Lurg got pulled that game. I'm pretty sure because it was still when Jeff Lurg was there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess like Ned getting back in though, like got the boys jumping because uh, somehow we well, we scored five goals in less than six minutes. Um, Philip Ronick, man, he stays hot. He's offensive dynamo, absolute okay. ripper from the point. To be fair though, I have not seen Hironic shoot the puck like that in a long time. Where he's just he sees traffic in front and he does not hesitate and just shoots. See what happens when you shoot the puck and you're not so delayed. Yeah, good things happen. There's yeah. traffic. And yeah, that like all our goals basically were from moving screens and tra- traffic. Like Rasmussen, when's the last time he used his body in front of the net? Never. Well, and, and and Carter Rowney, like that was a good screen. I mean, there were like three guys in front of the net there, but honestly, if we're down five goals, I don't care how many guys are in front. Just get bodies well, and yeah. pucks. To go get bodies and pucks. Get bodies in two pucks. Yeah. Okay. Just right. Jump in front of pucks and all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, to go into like the Hronik shot again, like I think that that was definitely like Campbell. You need to stop that. It wasn't like that much of a scream from Raymond. You know what I mean? Oh, that one was bad. I was more talking about his assists. That he was just shooting wiring pucks. But yeah, that one was bad. The Rowney, the Rowney one is more so correct, like in the sense that like there was a lot of traffic in front for Hronik. Yeah. Um, for sure. But yeah, then yeah, it was a really good tip by Rowney too. Really good stick on that. Uh, and then the Joe Valeno one is so funny. That might be one, one of my favorite goals of all time because he, he battled so hard to win that race, and that was such a ridiculous. I thought it went back funny. far at first because like how far how fast I it thought came it was, out. I thought it was a sniz. 
<laughs> me too. And then I look at the re- I look at the replay. I'm like, oof. And he like, hits center bar. Hits center bar. Well, because I it, after the seven four goal, I mean, Rowney's reaction to that goal was just horrendous. Like he didn't. That no, was care. terrible. He was like, yeah, we're dead. But everyone seemed to be energized after that. Like completely yeah. energized. Everyone but Rowney. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rowney's like, I'm, I want a cup. Yeah, he's like, I, uh, I, I hate this team. Yeah, the 07 Ducks didn't do this. <laughs> oh god, you said the 07 Ducks? Did it, yeah, didn't he play? No, that's right. You're lost. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, boys. I was. He didn't make the NHL until like 2016. Yeah, the 07 Ducks still didn't do that. I'm fair enough. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I guess maybe I he was the 07 yeah. Ducks. Sorry, I was thinking. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I just remember that cup run. Was that 2017? Yeah, he was with Pittsburgh in 2017. Him and Chad yeah. Ruido were my two favorite players in the league. Just the most random people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. He's got like uh, two bingos in the last five games. Chad Ruido. He signed an extension too. That man, yeah. he just He's he buzzing. just likes to get money. Yeah, he likes to get likes to get that 800 k Um, yeah, Joe Valeno, like again, something about Joe Valeno and garbage time. It's just it's just a tale old as time. Yes. Garbage guy Joe. Okay, in this six goal. Okay, we, let's we got a preference about saying like, Jack Campbell's pulled after this one. Okay, yeah, and not if you look if you pan to the bench, this is like the Steve Dangle like live stream going on. Jack Campbell didn't even have his helmet off yet before Mortsider threw it on net and Rasmussen tipped it. That's how quick it was. Is it forty seconds? This goal, like, is exactly what we just talked about earlier. Was Makar and his evasiveness. This like little quick stutter step by Cider uh, and shooting like off his back foot at such like a good like height for Rasmussen and his size to tip that and Rasmussen Selly was actually so hype like that was electric that goal was so electric I don't know what it is I I like Rasmussen on the wing I I think he's I thought he actually... had a really good game for well his third period was really strong he was moving his he... feet and buzzing. Him and Valeno play well together. And I, and I thought Valeno looked really good. Yeah. We, we've yeah. seen Rasmussen a few times on the wing, and he looks far above and beyond when he's on the wing than he is up the middle. But And then you, you watch him after five games, and then the sixth game you're like, is that the same guy from five games before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he lose, loses everything. Yeah, now the game – okay, now at this point, the game's 7-6, which everyone – this is the loudest I think I've heard – Little Caesars Arena ever, and the, this is even including the Florida game, which was insanely loud. Uh, like, I don't know if you guys agree with that. Like that, it was pretty crazy. Oh, it, was buzz- it was really yeah. loud. And it's surprising because like the game was seven two. Like I don't know. Like a lot of people, I I figured some people just left. You know what I mean? Like after the second period, they're like, "Yeah, we got most of it. Like good enough." All the boys are um, coming back. And storm. Yeah, I get. I guess so. Um, this is this goal. We we both we all kind of had different opinions. Andy more me and Andy more so on the two far ends of this opinion, but Grant kind of in the middle. Um, Ilya Mikheyev goes around Bertuzzi, which I don't know why Bertuzzi's the guy playing defense in that situation, but whatever. And then Mikheyev kind of goes into Delkovich after kind of running into Bertuzzi, like he kind of got tangled up, runs into Delkovich, and then the puck ends up leaking in, and. No challenge, which uh, Blasha looked at it, so they obviously thought about it. And I'm just curious, like, what went in the decision of not challenging? Because with all the momentum going your way, and your team just crawled back out of a hole. I think that I, I personally, I think that's where we lost the game. 
You know why? So before we go into that, you know why Bertuzzi was playing defense, right? I don't no. know why you're not paying attention to this, but guess who was up in the play? And <laughs> I have a funny, I have a funny answer. Is it is it offensive dynamo Mark Stahl? No. Okay, good. That offensive dynamo Dan DeKaiser. <laughs> oh hell yeah! I'm not afraid he, to get in a rush. He tried to reach for a pass that was going up to Mikheyev and like just lazily reached for it and Bertuzzi was covering his ass and Bertuzzi does not know how to play defense off the rush especially with McKayev going on him and he, he just pretty, got burned McKayev is a very fast player he just got burned like he got beat yeah because the Kaiser wasn't doing his job why is the Kaiser ever in the play maybe yeah. DeKaiser, maybe yeah. DeKaiser could, could be serviceable if he knew or had a smidge of a brain you could have stopped the sentence at why is the Kaiser even in the play <laughs> Period. Why is he on you could just stop? You could have just stopped it right there. Why is he in the game? Yeah, exactly. Um, like, you know, complete. <laughs> yeah, but to go in more into like the goal and stuff, like I like I think it would have been a 50-50 call either way. But with the way momentum was going, I think like the Troy, the boys would have really rallied around that. And either way, it's like best case, worst case scenario in either situation, you're you're down eight six. Like, right? Because if they get the power play, you're you're eight six. And you're or if the goal on, you're and you're on the power play though or on the penalty kill. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, that's right. It could be nine. Yeah, it could be nine six there. I kind of just misspoke there. Um, but still, I don't know. I think the guys going. I think a, a big penalty kill off of that, the goal stands. I think there. It's just the same result. But if the goal, you know, gets called off and stuff, and like I think the guys are still going even more. Personally, maybe. Yeah, go go first, Andy, because I want to hear your okay. full statement. Yeah, my full Andy, statement. Andy, yeah, Andy didn't. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So no, I, I so when I'm watching the play, um, I didn't think it was worth the challenge. In the opinion of, so, Blashill, when he challenges a play, he's been we've uh said on this podcast he's been very successful over his career at challenges except like the last like two months exactly last two months and like his first two years of coaching but like other than that yes he's been pretty pretty successful successful holy i think it was like an 80 like he is the highest like i think it was like the in 88 percent or something like that he had like the highest success rate in the NHL. right it's a legit stat so the way i look at it is one Yes, he makes contact first, and Lindstrom comes in later. But Lindstrom was kind of closing him off, so he didn't. McKayev didn't really have anywhere to go. He didn't have to run into the goalie; he could have stopped. And yes, I know that's goaltender interference to the to the key, right to the point. But if you're looking at it and you don't think you can, you're not wholeheartedly, you're not like even seventy percent sure that you can win it. Don't challenge it. My thing being on this is because if you challenge it and you're wrong instant two-minute penalty kill. You're on the penalty for two minutes. You have all the momentum in that. Yes, they scored, but you just took over the game in that momentum. You have all the momentum on your side minus that goal no matter what. Because even right after that, we carried the play for the next couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing being Mrazek had just let in one goal and two shots. He's fresh in the game. Keep peppering him. Keep the momentum going. And just, I mean, they did. They kept the momentum going and scored a couple go back but um i don't think it's worth the challenge because if you give them those guys in the power play you're taking yourself immediately out of it because that power play is too lethal especially the way our 
all the goalies were playing that game. I think at the time, how we were playing, we were outplaying them, especially for the first four or five minutes of that third period. You just say, go drop the puck and go out there and get it back, which in my eyes, we kind of did. I mean, we fell apart again in the last next seven, six or next 12 minutes, but I think it, I kind of agree with the no, uh, the no challenge on that because a lot of the calls that we've been challenging lately, we haven't been getting the balance for even any, like any call that goes against the, every call that we have against us or not against us for penalties. We've just been getting jammed with calls this year. So and Toronto, I don't know why, but they always seem to get those lucky call, like lucky bounce, like Spets's kicking goal the other day. Yeah, that was that. I honestly thought was a kicking motion. He actually yeah. like kicked it. Literally kicked. You literally kicked it. But then a few weeks back, uh, the Wings had a similar goal. I can't remember who it was or anything anymore. But it's ironic. It was ironic. Okay, so <laughs> they called that. They called that off, right? Yeah, that one so, was bad. I didn't agree so with that the, one at all. So the Leafs get favorable calls. The Wings, as of late, have not got favorable calls and challenges or just in penalties or anything on the ice. We have all the momentum. Yes, they scored, but we still had like the building was rocking. Still, we had taken over that game. Well, the, the third period at that point, and Mrazik was in cold, and he had just let a goal in on two shots, I believe, at that point. Yeah. So that's where, <clears throat> um, I just say go out there, drop the puck, and try and get it back. Like you're no matter what, I I find that's less damage than giving them a power play, in my opinion. Because our uh, goalies our goalies were – I mean, all four goalies, like I said, in that game were terrible. But I'd rather just keep five on five rather than give them a power play as well. I actually want to back off – or, like, kind of hop on this point here because I – honestly, after what Andy said and how I was kind of in the middle, I lean more towards Andy in this scenario. Just because the inconsistency of goalie challenges – can really hurt you especially like we said there's a possible power play on the line right if this goes the other way you get screwed around the power play like for example this pittsburgh columbus game yesterday uh they scored a really questionable goal with probably 250 left in the game pittsburgh did i watched i was watching that yeah okay right and merzlikens went to go make a save right and he just gets ran over by crosby and Brad Larson's like, I'm going to challenge this. And I thought this was more of a clear challenge than the Mikheyev goal. And, of course, it's not going to go his way because it's Crosby. And now he's screwed because you're down a goal with 250 left and you have to spend two minutes of that on the penalty kill, right? It really puts you in a bad spot. And like Andy said, we did – or Detroit did have all the, all the momentum. And you got to think the crowd's still going to be into it. It's only down two goals with 12 minutes left or whatever it was. 11, Michael 10. Bunting just scored. <laughs> Again? Oh, they're playing right now? Yeah. Yeah, live, yeah. I'm watching NHL Network. Oh, uh, he just buried one. Sorry, boys. Continue. Right. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know uh, the, the 40, the 40 year old. I thought, I thought he retired. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, he, didn't he get the silver stick? Yeah, maybe. He's, 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 the, first, he's the first rookie ever to get He's the first rookie ever to get the silver stick, do you know that? Yeah, he's he's playing for a pension still, boys. True. <laughs> um, but I guess I just kind of look at it like it's hard. Like I think, 
like Blashill in the sense, like I still think it means a lot to the guys, like to go out on the limb and just like, all right, guys, like, I, I, I'm gonna take a chance on it. I know you guys can get this back if it goes wrong. Like I know you guys will cover for us, but like if we if we it goes right for us, it's only seven six still, right? That's kind of how I view it. I mean, I get what you're saying. I guess we just kind of see it like like philosophy wise. It's, it's, just, it's just that power play scares me. Like they're they're one of the best power plays in the league, and they're. Well, I mean, Mitch Martin had four goals. I think they are the best power play this year. Yeah, they are. After one of the worst last year. Right. Well, they started off hot every like every last three years. They start off hot, and then Christmas yeah. hits, and they go downhill, and they just kind of kept going this year. So yeah. also also but, with this game, like with the power play, they didn't have any power plays. They scored all ten goals, either even strength or shorthanded. I mean, Detroit scored all ours. So, uh, set all seven, even strength. Yeah, but we don't say Detroit is a scary power play. So I mean, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Or it's either yeah. a big to differ. That's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, either way, eight six. And to Andy's point, uh, they ended up like didn't end up affecting Detroit too much right then and there because uh, Lucas Raymond comes back and kind of the shades of the Buffalo goal, but worse because that was a goal that Mrazek probably should have had. Why do you think that one's worse? I think the Buffalo one was worse. You think so? Yeah. How was this one? This one was closer and it got tipped. Oh, maybe not then. I don't know. This one went right off Lilligren's stick, and I know he got Marazzo got so much hate for this goal, but there's a shot angle change, right? I don't know. It's just tough to expect. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't. I still don't think it's great. I felt like Marazzo, both Marazzo's goals, he kind of got shafted on the yeah, the, the tip one. Up. The tip one that was a great tip. <laughs> yeah, he had no chance for that one. Uh, but that yeah, the Raymond Sally. I'm like, all right, we're back into this. We're having fun again. And then we get a power play, like right, like I don't remember how I don't remember how we got the power play. Uh, Cider got tripped, I think. Oh right, yeah. And I'm like, ooh, eight eight. Here we go. Uh, and then this is like we talked about this, uh, Grant. I think we talked about this. Um, it's one of the first times we've actually like talked. Like actually, no, we all talked about this after the game. Like how Cider recently has been struggling. Like usually doesn't struggle with keeping pucks in. But it seemed like this game, especially, like there's a couple times where he was struggling to keep pucks in. The ice all night was bouncing. They had the Pistons played there earlier. Uh, that might so, be yeah. part of the reason. I, the puck was not settled down whatsoever all game. Like pucks that you normally wouldn't see bouncing are going knee height. And that's I, part of that. Also, I do, like, I'm not taking any blame off the goalies, but a lot of CNI shots that would go in. I wonder if that played a big factor in it because it's just hard to read, right? As well. Right, the ice is soft, and those the puck was not staying on the ice whatsoever. In yeah. my opinion, that's, that's what I saw because I didn't know because they pushed the game back what like five minutes puck drop again. Like it's supposed to be seven thirty, and they put seven thirty five puck drop, which I don't know what five minutes is going to do for that, but yeah, it would have almost better to put it back to like eight o'clock, maybe like you could see kind of a little yeah, bit, for sure. you know, maybe. But but yeah, that's that's what I noticed because I. I know when we were talking about that, I was going to mention that, but I kind of want to save it for this because the ice looked terrible um, all game. Like the puck was not settling down at all. Yeah, I could have I definitely, like, I, I totally forgot about that. So I was really smart bringing that up. Um, but yeah, then, yeah, off, off, obviously bounces over a cider, sticking the power play there and just gets uh, beaten by it. Was it, was it McKay or Camp? It was Camp, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, uh, and yeah. Then, uh, almost got back. It was a, basically two on zero, and again, like that's a tough one for Ned. And that one's that one's hard to blame him on, but also like you're like, 
you love a save. Yeah. It's hard to expect a save on a two on O, but like, man, you love a save. Uh, it was a terrible I- shot placement. Like, that's the time mm-hmm. to make a save. Yeah. That's kind of like what I'm thinking. Like, obviously, it's a two on O, so like your odds are not in your favor, but also with that placement, you're like, yeah, you probably maybe bail, bail your players out for once. I don't know. Like, yeah. And that's when I think opposite. he was just overthinking overthinking it because he's like, I've been getting lit up all night. <clears throat> um, it's a two on oh, what, what am I going to do here? Kind of, yeah. I, kinda, I, I just know. what Cider did there is one of my pet peeves, though. Uh, is when a puck is bouncing on the boards, why put your foot in front of it? Why not go down on all fours and put your whole body or like on your knees and slide into the boards and put or your whole body. even against the board, yeah, or even against the boards, just like that's put your whole body one of my favorite board. things about Bertuzzi is he's always on his like he's always sliding in front of pucks. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Whether or not that's a good thing, but he's yeah. a big heart guy. Hartnell down is now Bertuzzi down. <laughs> <laughs> True. I totally forgot yeah. about that. That's, that's old. That's an yeah, old reference. So, old. Well, remind me, uh, Scotty H was just on the uh, NHL network a little bit oh, earlier. Nice. So nice. I like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like game finishes 10 7. That's that other goal. I mean, Ned was swimming and then Mitch Marner had an empty cage. And that was, yeah, that was the end of it. There was really nothing else to it. Um, but yeah, like anyone saying that Philip Horonic had a good game, uh, I didn't watch the game because on that 10th goal, Horonic that was probably the worst giveaway I've ever seen. He literally did the complete opposite of what Grant brought up, where he's getting pucks to the net and just letting it rip. He did the complete opposite, he froze and tried making a pass. I mean, there wasn't really a shot lane, but you could just better dump it in the corner, in my opinion. Yeah, there was enough time for me on the couch to be like, that's this is gonna be bad. Yeah, literally, we're all like, oh, all right, this is projector. Yeah, it's just on the projector, yeah. <laughs> all right. Like, like I, if I'm if I'm a forward in that play of the Red Wings, I'm just going to the bench and you know getting off before the minus kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> like I know I know how that's ending up. I'm not going to back check hard. I'm just going to back check to the bench. See yeah, later. I'm sprinting it. Sorry, yeah. like if I'm Larkin, I'm a sorry puce. You're going to be getting chalked <laughs> up for the minus here. Yeah, you oh. be a plus three. <laughs> oh, yeah, ten seven. There's like so many things to break down here, like. Um, like I'm I'm working on a piece right now about Dan DeKaiser, and it's just it's it's oldest time, and I feel like I'm stunking on the guy, but there's really no point to having him in the lineup every, anymore. Like yeah. I understood, I understood at points last year you could be like, oh, you know, like yeah, we don't really have many many other options. Uh, you know, doing good to him at this point, yada yada. He still had another year on his contract besides like him expiring this year. But you still you have Troy Stetcher and Jordan Osterley, who are both not even arguably they're definitely better than Dan DeKaiser. And we'll get into the pairings today because like I think Blashill's decided on that. We'll see, obviously, for Tuesday. But um I was also a little concerned about Blashell's comments post-game. I don't know if you guys saw them. I don't know. Uh, did you guys basically saying that they weren't serious enough before during practice? Yeah, he's like, yeah, the vibe was off at practice. What does that mean? Jeff. Jeff, who determines the vibe at practice? That's your you, coaches, big. your coaches, and your leadership group. He made yep. it sound like it was like too upbeat. Like I don't know, just the way I got, took that is everyone was too like loose. I don't well, know the way I took the way I took it. He was uh, like evading any blame for to himself. Mike Babcock. Yeah, I he did sound like that too. I really don't like know how to like that's, that's a page of a Mike Babcock by the way, boys, out of his playbook. Yeah, it is. Nothing, yeah, nothing is Babcock's fault in his eyes, which is like for Blashell. Even recently, that's kind of like a weird. Like I've never really like he doesn't do it that often. 
So that was like a weird one to me. Obviously, like I know like he worked with Black, uh, yeah, Babcock for years. I almost mashed Blashell and Babcock together. So I was gonna be like, yeah, Blashcock, uh, Blashcock. Yes, yeah, so I've been that unfortunate. <laughs> That's a creative pro. Yeah, it's yeah. a career. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I just think it's super concerning. Like Blashell just sounds like he it's all everyone else's fault. Where like in, if you don't like the vibe of practice, you can easily change what they're doing in the drills. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, even so, like at that point, if you're really if you're really that upset where you're gonna bring it up in the media, you take the pucks away and bag skate them. I know it's the NHL and you're trying to rest them, but sometimes a bag skate really gets people's attention. I like I know it was a morning skate too, but also like they're professional athletes. They can yeah. they can deal with a little they can deal with a little bag skate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't have to be the full forty five minutes they're on. Give them a five minute one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Couple suicides, wake up, boys, or get off the ice. And I had that all the time in junior. We'd we'd have yeah. that sometimes. All the time. I mean, it was a little bit different too because like if we got on the bus, if like we played Friday night, we'd mm-hmm. skate uh, Friday morning. If we played Friday night out of town, we'd skate Friday morning but we'd probably get begged for the last 15 minutes of the hour hour and a half session and then get on the bus and go because that's a little bit different because you're going to have bus legs but yeah we'd have that all the time in juniors too yeah so it's like, i just found that concerning as like he, he seemed like a guy that was reeling and didn't like didn't have any answers and like especially recently with defensive efforts um but yeah he went uh yeah i guess to like finish up this game uh I mean, I thought Raymond almost honestly was going to get credited for the Hattie there at one point, but like I, walking back, looking back at the replay, I was for our next goal. But um, to go into practice today, Blashill kind of went nuclear with the Lions. Uh, I have the tweet up from Anzer Khan. Uh, Nemestikov, Larkin, Raymond, Fabry, Suter, Bertuzzi, Rasmussen, Boleno, Zadina, with Verona rotating in, Ernie, Rowney, Gagne, Smith rotating in, and then Letty Sider, Stahl, Stetcher. Osterly, Heronic, DeKaiser, Lindstrom. Uh, a lot of things to take away from here. My first one is I'm surprised the Guelph line is still together at this point. After a really couple, like two bad games, especially. Like I haven't liked what they've been doing. Like the, the, the like especially the Colorado game. I, I, I had a note of it in this game, obviously as well. They didn't do anything offensively. And they've, they've, they haven't been a good defensive line overall either. So I'm just curious what... I don't know if you guys still see a fit with them together in the lineup. I mean, there was something there, but where my head's at right now is I've liked Rasmussen and Valeno together, and I almost think you throw Fabs down there, and then when Verona comes back, oh, wait. That just contradicted myself hard. New Mexico's getting traded anyway, so it doesn't matter. Leave him alone. He's going to get traded for a bunch of picks. Uh, then you move Zadina back up to the first line. Let him keep gaining confidence or whatever he's doing. Because I thought he was rough in the Toronto game. But let him sit up there for a little bit longer and then have Verona, Bertuzzi, and Suter. That's what – yeah, I, I like – that's what I – honestly, the way you're going, I like that sound of the second line there. I have um, a similar idea too, so yeah. To go on to like the – what you're – like I kind of like the, the Nemestikov point. I, I thought it was like almost like with Verona rotating in, I'm like, is this kind of like the way to set up Verona – being in on the first line in the Mexico getting traded because that's kind of how I viewed it. Maybe. But you know, I could be reading into it too much. Um it's kind of funny. Like it's just like the all first round picks on the third line. It's kind of just how it's set up. <laughs> and 
I don't hate it though. I think that's an element that could work. It's just a lot of guys like that's banking on confidence at this point, which I'm not crazy about. I would, I would like Fabry there in Zanina's spot personally. Yeah. Out of all those three first round picks, I think Joey V has the most confidence. And he right looks now, yeah. damn, he looks the best out of all three of them. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. And Ernie Rowney, Gagne. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I, I think Giovanni Smith, I, I'd like to see him get in next game. Yeah, I didn't like that he. I didn't like that he scratched uh, two games in a row there. I, I I think he should have been in for one of those at least. Um, and then the defense, I like. I know Lindstrom had a bad game, but I still think he's he's still our best, our second best defenseman. So I think that's. Uh, yeah, I guess there's no way to know of who was. I don't think they were doing really. It's hard to tell which lines are which. They right. They don't have actual line pairings. Yeah, they I know. Because Mo being number one on the back end, it, it was Mo and Letty obviously is number one. Then after that, who the hell knows? Because Stahl could be the scratch. Stahl, and I don't think. I don't think. I, I, I doubt. I doubt it. But Lindstrom and DeKaiser, I doubt DeKaiser is going to be a scratch. Really, I think. I'm, I think, I'm more. Think I'm more in doubt scratch. of. I'm more in doubt of Lindstrom than DeKaiser. Blashell loves his DeKaiser, and then yes, Her- yes. Heronic and Osterly would be my number one guess. I don't care. Which which really. We- I know, but like points in a plus one, but yeah, I, I feel like Blashell would kind of care about that because, like, obviously Maybe. he's kind of rewarded. But I mean, again, like Blashell has punished Veronica points this year. I mean, yeah, that's tough. Like, I'd go like I'd go Oshley Lindstrom on that third pairing there for sure. Um, but yeah, it's like I hope that's not what they do. Like, bench Lindstrom and have Veronica. Veronica and Oshley sound like a bad idea personally yeah i mean lindstrom didn't have a good game but they're not setting him up for success like they had been earlier this season he just put spent two games with dan de kaiser and realized how miserable life could be mm-hmm. he did really well with mark stall like him and stetcher had a similar game and i, I well, do like St- like stetcher and stall are a great pairing and i like that fit but also it's unfortunate with like lindstrom now like he's struggling to find like his footing without mark stall a little bit. I, like I Led, Letty wasn't right, the right guy either. I thought Lindy looked good with Letty. It was fine. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Lindy looks good with everyone but to Kaiser. I, Lind, Lindy, ha, I I love his game. I just you can't put him with the Kaiser because he's still growing. Or yeah, Cider is sure. so so far above everybody. I just saw a thing that John Scott said he's a top ten defenseman in the league, and I have to agree. So I listened to the podcast, and he he did say that they were talking about it. And yeah, so I mean, that could be a whole other conversation for later later on, maybe towards the end of the year. It's more of a off season, maybe not an off season content, but maybe a rewards con- content. But uh, yeah, like with Dan DeKaiser at this point, like I don't, he doesn't have any worth in this lineup. Nope. He doesn't. I yeah, I agree. Five I want to see Stetcher get more get it more reps in. Yeah, like if if like at this point, like. Like you're gonna keep scratching stature, like he's not gonna to want to stay, which fine. But you also need to weigh in how much you're gonna play him if you want to trade him as well, because he's not gonna have any value. Yeah. And I mean, if you're gonna go for like a shutdown pairing, we saw last year Stetcher and Stahl were stellar. Stahl has transformed into a crazy man, though. So I don't think that's no, yeah. No, I, saw it. Linz, yeah I saw Linz, it. and Stetcher. I don't care about two righties. Yeah, me that's it. what I was gonna say. Just try it. I saw Stahl's like analytic chart today, and like he's rated like an 86 on offense and a, and a 25 <laughs> on defense. 
He's a madman. And it, going, I think it's Prashant, Prashant Thayer tweeted, anyone need offensive, defensive help? Hey, he was a plus one in that game, so I don't care. He's a plus. He leads the Red Wings in plus minus, I'm pretty sure, yeah. this season. Uh, I think Bertuzzi does, no? No, Bertuzzi's taken a beating the past after couple that, games. After that game, yeah, he probably got Yeah, I think, it's Mark, I think it's Mark Stahl at plus 10. Yeah, Bertuzzi was like plus 12 or something like that. But yeah, wow, he's down to a plus six. He's plus in double digits? Yeah. Yeah. Which is really impressive, to say the least. Like yeah. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm like, well, Cider being a plus one playing with the Kaiser the whole season against top lines. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. something to talk about. Calder. Right? Calder. That's not Mikey. That's either. Mikey Beast. I was gonna look up Mark Stahl's plus minus here quick. Plus twelve. Excuse me. That's really good. Yeah, that's okay. pretty silly right there. And Bertuzzi is plus six. Uh, so yeah, okay. he's taking a beating of late, but yeah, Mark Saul is definitely leads the team in plus minus, which is really funny. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, I'm curious who the the Red Wings start. I mean, versus Carolina, I think it's gonna be Ned. I'm not sure because like neither option I'm confident in right now. Like I don't care personally. I don't know if you guys have an opinion. I think they should start Pickard, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm not. I Pickard played good. Pickard, I actually, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, they should I call up Lashoff yeah. if they don't want to play Osterley and Stetcher because Lashoff is better than DeKaiser. That's kind of, that was kind of a joke. I, you can call up anyone and be better than no. Kaiser. Okay, so, so back to back to like the DeKaiser conversation because I was going to bring this up and I kind of got off topic, but like even like later in the year when the trade deadline happens, if let's say we sell off a defenseman or two, Jared McIsaac better be up. Yeah, I'm I don't for McIsaac being. Up. I don't care if he's NHL ready or not. Give him some games and let him see where he's at. Because yeah. we're give not, him... it, it, we're we're not going to be in the playoff conversation. It doesn't matter. Let's give see what him we have six out of games. Us. Give him six games. Right, that's what I'm saying. Give Grant, him, Grant, give when, him... Grant, when, Grant, when we go to the game, I want to see Jared McIsaac in the lineup that game. It's last like month that. of the year. That's what I want. Sorry, give give, give him three weeks up and six games type of thing, right? You know, some practices yeah. and stuff like that. Give him that. Jack Hughes just scored. This is brother. Thanks. I'm trying to debate what I want to do with um, the goaltending. I want to start – I'm starting Ned versus Carolina. I think he'll go better than the last time he played Carolina. Um, <laughs> my question is, what what game do you start Ned in the back-to-back? Because Tampa Bay, he got shelled last time they played Tampa Bay. But also – Florida's high t- high octane offense. I'm not feeling confident about it at all. I I say ride Pickard until you die. <laughs> Pickard, Pickard and Bradstrom. I say we send Grice and Ned down. We ride Pickard and Bradstrom. <laughs> Yikes! Or we call up Caden Fulcher. Yeah, I was gonna say. Was... Hey, he's played in an NHL game. Or we say screw it and sign Kosa, even though he's not even close to being ready. He is raw. Yeah, he's he's already signed. I don't know if you knew that. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Bring Call him up. up. Yeah. Nine game stint. Yeah, let him play the nine games and send him back down. <laughs> the LC um, But uh, I'm pretty confident <laughs> the way you said that. The LC slide. It's going to stock up our draft pick this year. That's all. We're dude, I'm, hey, I'm, I've hit the point in the year, like, as soon as we, we, we finished the Colorado game and I wasn't upset at all, I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm full on. I don't care the rest of the season at this point. Well, I'm okay as long as Washington falls out of the playoff race. I really want Columbus to make it over Washington. Oh, my God. Me too. Dude, <laughs> I was watching the Columbus-Pittsburgh game. Patrick Line looks so good. Oh, I was so – well, that wasn't even, like, one of his best games in the recently. 
He's been so tremendous. I thought he yeah, looked. Anyone, he anyone saying of, that Columbus is going to trade Line A is ridiculous. They're not. Going yeah, to he looks so happy too, which is yeah, awesome like because he like hated his life last year. He gets to be yeah. his like quirky little self and like not a big market, which is kind of great for him because then Columbus Columbus fans have that to cling on to. Yeah, is like this like hey, this is our guy, and like Line A doesn't get you know belittled in the Canadian media. He, he can play Fortnite He's, all he wants, and nobody will give. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's great. The server, the servers aren't are pretty good in Columbus. Yeah, like, the servers are they're pretty mediocre. Like yeah. there's a server in Ohio, so I mean he's chilling. Over yeah, there. he's not in Winnipeg, you know, like struggling to get struggling he to get his Wi-Fi. There. Yeah, he couldn't get the, yeah. couldn't get the ping up. I feel like Brad Larson is a really good coach for him too. I really yeah. like Brad Larson. I've liked what I've seen out of him too. Um, and I, I really actually, like Torts too. So I mean, when I got us the tickets to Grant, when I when I picked up the tickets for like my birthday when we go. I was kind of like, I was like, ooh, Columbus. Like, this might be a boring game. But I, I'm pretty pumped about it. Columbus versus Detroit should be oh fun game. I love Columbus this year, man. Yeah, me too. Um, Wait, you, you guys are going to a game without me? Yeah. You Sorry. can come, Andy. Yeah, yeah come. When, 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 when are we going? April, April 9th. 9th. All right. I'll be with All right, cool. I'll pick uh, you up. Yeah, like, yeah back, back onto this topic. Uh, for the this week game, this week of games, I, I'm pretty confident saying it's 0 and three. I, I, I'm, I think I, we beat Tampa. We're gonna beat Tampa. Really? Yes. In Amelie Arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love no, you. No, 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 we sign. We get Abacar back on the fourth line. We start Ooh. Jamel. Oh, sorry, Giovanni, and we and the, get Jamel off the <laughs> off the waivers. <laughs> And, and they and they, big... they re-pick up Tommy Blunden and Alex yeah. beats the shit out of him again. Yeah. Just just firing up the lawnmower, boys. <laughs> that lawnmower, the first cut of the year, was not working. Alligator no. was not having that when he just beat the bricks off Tommy Blunden. That was that was yeah. my screensaver for about three years on my back on my phone. <laughs> not because That's it was Alligator, it was just a picture of him just, just firing Blunden's face after that was one of my favorite images ever. It was like that or the Andrew Shaw like face after they won the cup, the Black Knights right. did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna. I don't know. I'll let you guys have anything else for this. Oh yeah, quick note about the uh, Twitter Twitter sphere after the uh, Leafs game, the Leafs Wings game. So a Leafs fan had tweeted like, you know, remember last year when Campbell started off ten straight wins, and mm-hmm. him and Marner were counting like one, two, three, four, you know, right? And then like a Leafs fan is like, oh, how many goals did you score tonight? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then a wings fan came back and like, it's like, oh, how many saves did you make tonight? And as they stopped it at like three or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> it's like how many save, how many big saves did you make tonight? And he was like, stopped it at three or six or six or something like that. It's just too funny. So funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, it is fun when like even in a loss, like the Reddings get the Reddings get to like ruin the Leafs Leafs fans' day, even yeah. without without a win. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, support our partners at Inside the Rink. Uh, use BetUS. Uh, I should have an article up this week at some point. We'll see. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.